Let's be in an attitude of prayer together today. Eternal God, we do rest in you. Help us rest in you so we can patiently forgive. Help us rest in you so we can find your joy again. Now, Lord, you have given me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends, and your servants, Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm about to share with you one of my most embarrassing moments in my entire life. It happened when I was a teenager. It was an event I would never forget. I'm still scarred by it, and you will see why in just a minute. I was playing a tennis tournament. I think it was in Tampa at the time, and my parents were there with me, and I had finished a tennis match, and I was hungry. And so my parents decided to take me to Shoney's Breakfast Buffet. Ever been there? I don't know if they're still around. What a vast array of very healthy food, right? Well, my, my dad loved to eat. It was serious business for him. It was a real hobby for him. As a result, he had the Dunlop disease, his belly Dunlopped over his belt. And because of that, he had this practice that whenever he sat down to eat, he would unbuckle his belt and unbutton his pants a little bit so his belly could breathe a little, right? And so this time it was no different. He had brought back two plates from the buffet, sat down with those plates, unbuckled his pants a bit, and commenced the eating. Everything was going great. Well, then he decided to go for seconds. And he decided to take those two plates and get up and head to the buffet, but he forgot one very important thing. He forgot to buckle his pants up. So halfway to the buffet, in the middle of God and everybody... His pants fell straight down to his ankles. There he was in the middle of Shoney's with his tidy whities on. I was a teenager at the time. I still have PTSD because of it. I'm still scarred by it. And my mother, she's turning purple in laughter. And I turned and faced the lady. She spit out her pancakes in horror. Well, my father, he couldn't do anything because his hands were occupied with plates. And so he had to shuffle back to the table, put the plates back on the table, and he said to us, I'll be in the car. (laughs) Now, I don't know if that shunny still exists. It probably went out of business the next day. The health department came in and shut it down. But if it still exists, you know they're still talking about that man that dropped his pants in the middle of Shoney's. It's taken me years of therapy to get over this, okay? And there is much fun and laughter in my family. There are a lot more stories where that came from. I love to hear you laugh, and I love to laugh too. In fact, you may know already that I have a very loud laugh. I know Andy and Nikki already know that. I do a lot of things loudly, and when I think something's funny, I just think it's funny. I I laugh, and apparently that's a good thing. Because someone once said that the sound of heaven is not singing, but laughter. You know, in the Greek Orthodox Church, they treat laughter as very serious business. You know, there is a rich tradition in the Greek Orthodox Church to just tell jokes days after Easter. All they do is just tell jokes and laugh 
Why? Because they're demonstrating the cosmic joke God played on Satan at Easter when Jesus rose from the grave. You see, the devil thought he had won. And God said, not so fast, the joke is on you. Laughter is is a very holy, sacred act. Now, when I was growing up, my parents used to watch a show called Hee Haw. Remember that show, some of you? Now, it's very tacky and lame by our standards today. But nevertheless, it was a popular show. It was a variety of shows of, of sorts. You know, they had skits and all kinds of different things. They had bluegrass music and country music. But they had a character on that show by the name of Grady Nutt, who was a Baptist minister and a comedian. And he said something very profound one time. He said this. He said, laughter is the hand of God on the shoulder of a troubled world. Laughter is the hand of God on the shoulder of a troubled world. Laughter is a gift, which is why I agree with Charlie Chaplin, who said, a day without laughter is a day wasted. Amen? So why do I begin today with all this laughter and all this talk of laughter? Well, because the purpose of this sermon is very simple. To help us get our joy back and for our joy to be full. You know, joy is one of the fruits of the Spirit. I hope you know that. In fact, in Galatians 5, joy is listed second just after love. Unfortunately, joy is often overshadowed by the other fruits. But joy is just as important as self-control, as gentleness, as important as all the other lists of those fruits. Joy. Do we have the joy? Joy is a byproduct of following Jesus Christ. When we experience His strength and power in our lives, coupled with being used by Him to impact the world, we can't help but have joy. And we realize we receive more joy from Jesus than the world could ever offer. Now, this doesn't mean that we as followers of Christ never hurt or are never disappointed or never experience pain. It just simply means that when we follow Jesus Christ, joy is just a big part of our lives. Joy is not the absence of difficulty. It's the awareness of the presence and the strength of Jesus Christ. And that assurance brings us joy, immeasurable joy. And when people see that joy in us, they want to know the source of it. You know, C.S. Lewis, that great Christian thinker, never lost sight of the sacredness of joy. And one time he was on the campus of a seminary, and he had just finished the lecture. And a group of seminary students and theologians cornered the great Christian thinker and asked him this amazing question. They said, Dr. Lewis... What is the greatest theological discovery you have ever made? And Lewis simply smiled and said, I exist to enjoy God's enjoyment of me. Isn't that beautiful? I exist to enjoy God's enjoyment of me. Do you hear that? God enjoys you. And God wants you to enjoy this life he has created, to enjoy this world, to enjoy this church, to enjoy this fellowship, to enjoy the people that God has put in your life. We need to hear that today. Because it seems to be in the church of Jesus Christ today, there is a joy deficit. Have you noticed it? We take so many things seriously, as we should, but in the midst of it, so many Christians have a joy deficit. And I often think to myself, 
if we really believe what we claim to believe, we should have the joy, 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 joy down in our hearts. Where? There's a deficit of joy. You know, Scripture backs up God's call to enjoy life. Take a look at what it says in 1 Timothy 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. And the writer of Proverbs gets in on this party. Take a look. Proverbs 17. A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a downcast spirit dries up the bones. The Apostle Paul would say in Thessalonians, Rejoice always. Rejoice always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Now, we talk a lot about God's will, don't we? God wills this and God wills that. It's the, the will of God. But it says here in the Word of God that the will of God is for us to rejoice. Now, a long, long time ago, a group of a very important Christians, they got together and they wanted to put together a, a summary of the greatest beliefs of our faith. They called it catechism. Now, I'm sorry for using that word. Some of you just shuddered when I used that word. Sorry if it triggered you. But catechism. But then they discovered that the catechism was way too complicated, was way too long. And so they decided to come up with a short catechism. You want to know the way the short catechism begins? It's beautiful. Here it is. What is the chief end of humankind? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Let me repeat that and hear from you. What is the chief end of humankind? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. I know you're out there. I can hear you snoring. To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. But ironically, I come across so many people who have this notion that, that to get serious about the faith, to join the church, to become a Christian, means the party is over. That they have to give up fun. And, and unfortunately, there are many misguided Christians who perpetuate this nonsense. That, that to become a Christian means the party is over. That to be spiritual means to be miserable. I mean, you watch some Christians, it looks like they're drinking lemon juice every day. They look so sour. And it makes you wonder, have they drifted away from the love and the hope and the joy of God? Where is that joy? To become a Christian means the party is just beginning, folks. I mean, when you have the, the joy of Jesus in your heart, you can't help but smile and have a good time. I mean, why do you think Jesus, and I love this, why do you think Jesus so often in Scripture referred to the kingdom of God as a party, as a banquet? We say it every time we give communion, don't we? Do you ever hear it? When Christ comes in final victory and we feast at His heavenly banquet, what an image! We feast at His heavenly banquet. So the closer we get to God, the more joy we have. We no longer settle for the counterfeit versions of joy this world has to offer. We don't do it. There is nothing more joyous than the love and grace of Almighty God. 
And if you don't believe me, come by the church office one day. And I guarantee at some point you'll hear laughter and you'll hear us having a good time. My number one rule for the staff is for us to have fun. Yes, we take our work seriously. Ministry is serious. But it doesn't mean we can't have fun. I mean, ministry should be fun. Amen? It should be fun. In fact, I'll tell you this. And I've learned this. It took me a long time to learn this as a pastor, but I have learned it. For me, I have many roles as a pastor. As your pastor. And I've learned a a lot of those roles over the years. But I have learned there is nothing more important than my role in being sure that you're a happy church. That you remain a happy church. Because I tell you this, an unhappy church can't accomplish much. And an unhappy church doesn't really have much influence on this world. To be a happy church... You know, I think one of the reasons are, uh, that the churches and Christians burn out is they simply lose their joy. They lose their sense of play. Jesus tells us so. One of my favorite scenes in the gospel is when, and you know it, when, when Jesus is teaching. And, and these children, that they come over to Jesus and they interrupt him and all of his teachings. And, and the disciples, uh, the gospel says, get angry. And they, you know, you can hear what they might say. Where did these kids come from? Kids ought to be seen and not heard. Where are their parents? Get these kids out of here. And what does Jesus do? I love it. Jesus gets angry with the disciples and basically says, no, 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 no. What are you talking about? Don't stop them. Let them come to me. Let them come to me and forbid them not, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. In other words, unless you can receive me and the faith and my trust and joy like one of these kids, you'll never be able to enter it, never be able to enter the kingdom of God. Now, I've always been fascinated by that statement from Jesus Christ. And I'll confess to you, there have been times before I had Paul where I really didn't understand the weight of that statement from Jesus. But once I had Paul, oh my gosh, I realized what Jesus was trying to say. And we all know this because children are so trusting and dependent and joyous. They they bring nothing but themselves and their joy. Did you hear this gorgeous child earlier just yell and scream in joy over the bells? They bring nothing but themselves and their joy. And Jesus says, unless you can receive the faith, like these children, you'll never understand God. You'll never understand the faith. You'll never understand what this is really all about. You know, it's been said that God is happiest when his children are at play. I believe that. I really believe that. And and I'm reminded of that whenever I hear Paul laugh. I don't know, for me, the most beautiful sound in the world, and I know you parents out there probably would agree, is the sound of my son giggling and laughing. I mean, I love to get him laughing. I mean, that sound goes straight to my heart and and just fills my soul to the point where almost um, are moved to tears. And if I receive that kind of joy from my son laughing, imagine how much joy God receives when we laugh, when we're joyous. And I was reminded of this one time when I was playing with 
with Paul uh, at a pool one day with his cousins. And it was one of those pools where they have a, a big, big water slide in the neighborhood. I mean, a, a real big one this day for a, a neighborhood like this. And again, we were with his cousins, and I was just playing with Paul, and we were jumping around. He likes me to throw him into the pool, and he was laughing and joking and having a good time. And I just closed my eyes and listened to the sound of my son laughing, of his cousins laughing, of everybody at the pool laughing. And I thought to myself, this is the sound of the kingdom. This is the sound of the kingdom. Well, quickly I learned I had to practice what I preached because Paul's cousins and Paul begged me to go on the water slide. Begged me. Now, I've been watching the water slide all day and no adult had been going on that slide all day. But Paul said, please, 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 daddy, please. You know how they are. I said, okay. Well, I began to walk to the slide with Paul And this may be too much information, but I'm going to go ahead and share it with you. I have a lot of hair on my body, you know, a lot of hair. I mean, I'm losing it on my head, but I know where it went. It went on my back, okay? Sorry for that image. And I'm in line with my son, right? And I can see these kids going, why is that guy wearing a sweater, right? And I saw one kid just looked horrified, and I couldn't resist. I said, You didn't think Bigfoot existed, did you? It's a sighting, a Bigfoot sighting. Well, I went on the slide, and you know, the heavier you are, the faster you go. And I went down that slide so fast, kaboom! And Paul said, do it again, do it again, let's do it again. Paul reminds me not to lose my joy. Postal also reminds me of something G.K. Chesterton once said. What an amazing writer Chesterton was. He actually had a great influence on C.S. Lewis. But he, but he wrote something one time I will never forget. And you may want to remember this or write this down. He said this. He said, God is the last child left in the universe. God is the last child left in the universe. He said, the rest of us have just lost our joy. And you know, I think Chesterton was on to something. Because when you read through Genesis, and you read how how joy radiated through God as he created you and me and created this world. I mean, God didn't simply say, uh, daisies be. Tony Campolo talks about this when he talks about his grandson, when his grandson was really, really little. And he would bounce him on his knee. He would bounce and bounce and bounce and put him up high and then go down again. And of course, his grandson would always say when he was finished, do it again, Pop, do it again, do it again, do it again. And Campolo would bounce him and put him up in the air and then down again, do it again, do it again. And Campolo said, you know, when when God created daisies, you just know. Something childlike in the heart of God said, oh, do it again, do it again, do it again. And after the fourth and and fifth daisy, God said, oh, do it again, do it again, do it again. And after the millionth daisy, God said, oh, do it again, do it again, do it again. We have a God of joy, of laughter, of play. But you know, something happened to our world. We lost our joy. Sin and cynicism, it crept in. 
And God wanted us to get our joy back. And so God decided in Jesus Christ to come to us so we would get our joy back. Jesus said so in John 10.10. 10. What, did, what did Jesus say? I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. To the full. To get our life and joy back. In Jesus, God was trying to help us get our joy back. But you know, at the beginning, the world really couldn't understand this. Couldn't receive this. And, and we see this in, in Luke 7. When, when Jesus is talking with the Pharisees, the supposed experts of the law, who thought they had God all figured out, who thought that they knew everything about the faith, all the rules, they were very serious, they had figured everything out. And they thought, well, God wasn't God of joy. And so Jesus said to them, you know, I come along and I come drinking and eating and having a good time. And Jesus says, and you accuse me of being a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend to tax collectors and sinners? You know what the Pharisees were basically accusing Jesus of? Of being a party animal. Of having too much fun. You see, the Pharisees thought they had God all figured out. They thought they had God figured out. That God wasn't a God of joy and play. And Jesus came along and said, you're wrong. Oh, how you're wrong. I mean, we know this. Those of you Bible scholars out there, you know the first miracle in the gospel of John that Jesus performs? You know it. It happened in Cana at a wedding party. Now, back then... A wedding party could last a week. Imagine getting that bill. Can you imagine that? A week. Now, I want you to appreciate this. One of the first scenes in the Gospel of John is not Jesus teaching on a mountain. It's not Jesus holding a sick hand. But it's Jesus at a wedding party. So, after a few days, Jesus is still at this party. And what happens? They run out of wine. And what does Jesus do? Well, I'll help you clean up. We got church tomorrow. He says, no, I want you to put water in all those jars, 180 gallons worth. Put water all in those jars. And what did Jesus do? He turned all that water into wine. And not the cheap stuff like you get in a box, but the good stuff. So I want you to appreciate this. The very first miracle of Jesus in the Gospel of John was not Jesus raising the dead. Was not Jesus walking on water. It was Jesus turning water into wine so a party could continue. Now hear me. I don't want to get letters about this. I don't think the message is Jesus is thrilled when we get intoxicated. Rather, I believe the message is this. Jesus is showing us that the joy he has for us is extravagant. I mean, you can read that story over and over again and try to come up with some unique biblical insight. You can send it to scholars and theologians, but you'll never find it. Sometimes Jesus did something for fun. He did that to show us we need to get our joy back, that his joy for us is extravagant. Extravagant. I think of it this way. When I was a a kid and I would get grumpy and upset, my dad, he wouldn't say, Charlie, you need to be more grateful. 
You need to behave. Oftentimes he would do this. He'd get on the floor with me when I was, you know, having a meltdown. And he'd find a place on my belly and blow air bubbles. And he kept doing it and kept doing it until I just gave in to the laughter. You know, in many ways, that's what God did in Jesus Christ, came down to our level and embraced us so we could get our joy back. So how do we do it, right? Maybe you're thinking, well, Charlie, this sounds all wonderful and good, but my life is tough. I have bills to pay. I have problems in my family. I have problems in my life. How do I find joy? Well, this is going to be painfully obvious. But here's my advice to you. Pay attention to what gives you joy. You know, we're so distracted in life by cell phones, by all this technology, by television, that we forget sometimes what brings us joy. And that's sad because this is what I believe. I believe God often makes appearances in our lives through what brings us joy. Joy moments are often God moments. You know, and this happened to me recently. You know, I had forgotten that when I was a teenager, what brought me a lot of joy was beginning my day just listening to music. No, not always church music. You know, sometimes White Snake and Dawkins and Def Leppard. It set me up for the day, and I was joyous beginning the day, and I hadn't done that in years. And so recently, I started to do that. And I found joy at the beginning of the day again. So you have homework to do. Go find your joy. Go listen to a song and sing like no one's listening or no one's watching. And if they are, who cares? Take dance lessons and learn how to dance. Go watch your favorite comedy for the 30th time and laugh your way to joy. I came across a very interesting quote from an 85-year-old woman from the hill country of Kentucky. This is what she said. If I had to live my life over again, I would dare to make more mistakes next time. I would relax. I'd be sillier. I would take fewer things seriously. I would eat more ice cream and less beans. I would have more actual troubles, but fewer imaginary ones. You see, I'm one of those people who live seriously and sanely, hour after hour, day after day. I've been one of those persons who never went anyplace without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a raincoat, and a parachute. If I had to do it again, I'd travel lighter. How would you finish this sentence? If I had to do it over again, I would. Don't wait. Do it now. Enjoy God's enjoyment of you. Because when you do that, you'll be very close to the kingdom. Jesus said, I have come. that You might have life and have it to the full. And this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Let's pray. Eternal God. Draw us back to your hope and love and joy. Yes, Lord, we take you seriously and and how you call us, but taking your call seriously doesn't mean we can't have joy and fun in doing it. In fact, just the opposite. 
You call us to be filled with joy. Help us, Lord, find your joy again. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. We're so glad you came to worship today. We hope this has been a time of you getting your joy back. And that joy is full because of what Jesus has done. Receive this benediction. And I may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. May the love of God our Heavenly Father abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.